0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the Judiciary Committee in the Florida Senate votes to immunize businesses from COVID-19 lawsuits.
1: COVID has been deeply impactful for, our state of, for the state of Florida and for the businesses specifically and individuals in the state. Uh, no other bill this session will most likely impact as many as we have to, as we struggle with the ramifications
0: of COVID. That bill is on the fast track in Tallahassee, much to the dismay of Senator Perry Thurston. He wonders why business is first in line for help when so many Floridians are unemployed, facing eviction, and will have to wait months to be vaccinated.
2: I think it's a sad reflection on the state that this is what we choose to address first as it relates to this virus.
0: The state recorded 156 additional fatalities from COVID-19 Monday, plus 8,720 newly confirmed cases. But Governor Ron DeSantis says there are fewer people in the hospital.
3: We are seeing a decline in hospitalizations across the country, including in Florida. I mean, we've really had a sharp decline. Like the last seven or eight days, we're down 10, 15 percent. We want to continue to see that.
0: During a press conference in Jacksonville, the governor also announced the first round of vaccinations at long-term care facilities is almost done.
3: By the end of this month, a COVID-19 vaccine will have been offered to every resident and staff member at all of Florida's nearly 4,000 long-term care facilities, uh, which is really, really good.
0: COVID has changed the way Florida lawmakers conduct their business. Senate President Wilton Simpson seems absolutely delighted that the number of lobbyists in the Capitol building will be limited.
4: And it's kind of nice, right? This is kind of like, hey, this is the way it should be. (laughs) Does anybody have a problem with 25 lobbyists not piled up in your office?
0: Simpson also warned lawmakers that most of the people in the Capitol will not be vaccinated until April at the earliest, so COVID restrictions will be in place throughout the legislative session. The Senate Commerce Committee votes to raise revenue by more than $600 million by collecting the sales tax on all Internet purchases. But the sponsor claims it's not really a tax increase.
5: It's not a new tax, I will tell you, as a practicing tax CPA and, 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 and as a conservative, I'm not in favor of any new or additional uh, taxes. All we're doing is changing the collection timing of this tax.
0: And if that sounds like doublespeak to you, welcome to the Florida Legislature. We'll also have your calendar of events and close the show with the story of a Florida woman accused of running a whorehouse at a luxury home in a gated community. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, January 26th. It was on this day in 1998 that President Bill Clinton said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. It was a lie, of course, and it led to his impeachment. Now, Lewinsky offered to do the same thing for Donald Trump. If it would convince Republicans to impeach him, they did not take her up on that offer. By the way, today is also National Spouses Day. The state health department reported 156 new fatalities from COVID-19 Monday, along with 8,700 newly confirmed cases of the virus. Our death toll has reached 25,849. The total number of cases in Florida is just shy of 1.7 million. But Governor Ron DeSantis says some of the stats are looking better, like the number of Floridians who are now hospitalized with COVID-19.
3: We are seeing a decline in hospitalizations across the country, including in Florida. I mean, we've really had a sharp decline. Like the last seven or eight days, we're down 10%, Uh, percent We, we want to continue to see that. I think the vaccine... Uh, as we get into maybe February, you know, you may start to see some effects on that with reduced admissions. Uh, certainly by the end of February, I would expect to see uh, a significant effect on that. And I think that'll that'll show that the seniors first was the right way. But really, time is of the essence on this stuff. We want to get it now. And the, the sooner that we're able to do that, um, I, I think the better. So stay tuned for J&J. Once we know what we're dealing with, I think we'll be in a better situation to be able to assess what the next step is. Um, But clearly, if I got twice as many doses for Pfizer, Moderna that I'm getting now, I could get through the seniors that much quicker. Look, we're happy to be at almost a million reported. We've obviously administered more than a million because of the reporting lag. Uh, We're happy that we're uh, either one or two in the nation for percent of seniors that have been vaccinated. But I also know we could up those percentages very, very quickly. And we don't know how many seniors are going to want it. It's not going to be 100%, but we think the vast majority are going to want it. And so at a 4.5 million, you know, if we've knocked out a million, you know, we, we have at least a couple more million uh, that we got to do. The more vaccine we have, the quicker that'll get done. The
0: governor was speaking in a press conference at a senior center in Jacksonville, where he praised his decision to put seniors first in line for COVID shots. He also said they're making progress providing vaccinations at nursing homes and long-term care facilities.
3: By the end of this month, a COVID-19 vaccine will have been offered to every resident and staff member at all of Florida's nearly 4,000 long-term care facilities, uh, which is really, really good roughly 22% of all seniors 65 and up have received uh, a vaccination shot. Uh, We are uh, basically almost at a million reported. And I remind people, what's reported is lagging. I mean, you really need to give it three, four, five days. So almost assuredly, we've done uh, much in excess of a million seniors already. Um, And we're going to continue to be able to do that. We have done more senior vaccinations, 65 and up, than any other state in the country. And it's not even close. We are hundreds of thousands of ahead of our next closest competitor, um, which is good. But then also we're a big state, so you'd think we'd have more, but we've done a higher percentage of our total vaccinations for seniors, almost 70% of every shot given in Florida thus far has gone to a senior citizen, and that number is going to continue to grow. Um, and as I mentioned, we're 22% of all seniors, 4.5 million uh, have received a shot. That is usually first or maybe second in the nation us in west virginia are kind of like neck and neck obviously west virginia has done a really good job it's much smaller state than us Uh, but we feel great about being at the top of the pack in not just the most vaccinations for seniors but getting through a higher percentage of our senior population faster than just about anyone And, and we're really only just beginning
0: the new president is making substantial changes in the way the feds deal with the COVID crisis, but DeSantis says he only wants one thing from the Biden administration, more vaccine.
3: We are telling the federal government they, they're in control of this. We don't have a big cache sitting around at the state. We only get what they send us. The sole focus for the federal government should be increasing the number of doses available for the states. We Now, we want everyone to use all the first doses they have. Don't keep them on the shelf. Put it in seniors' arms, absolutely. But, at 200, but if we're capable of doing 450,000 to 500,000 first doses and we're only getting 266,000, you're gonna see uh, that there's gonna be shortages very quickly. So our capacity far outstrips what we're being given by the feds, uh, they're in control of this. We were told weeks ago that we would start to see increases now and we haven't seen it. We've been very stagnant this whole month. In fact, there's only been one week where we got more than 300,000. That was the Christmas week where we got about almost 500,000 between Pfizer and Moderna. The average since then has been about 250,000, 260,000 a week. We have capacity to do a lot more. So I would tell the seniors, write your congressmen and your senators, and and tell them, you know, talk to the administration, have them send more Pfizer and Moderna to the states and we'll be able to do that many more. But we're at the mercy of what the federal government sends us. And right now we're able to go through it quicker than what we're receiving in it.
0: While the governor was asking for more vaccines, the Senate Judiciary Committee was debating a bill from Senator Jeff Brandis of St. Pete that immunizes businesses from COVID-19 lawsuits. COVID has been deeply impactful
1: for, our state of, for the state of Florida and for the businesses specifically and individuals in the state. Uh, no other bill this session will most likely impact as many as we have to, as we struggle with the ramifications of COVID and specifically as it, what it means for liability for a, a pandemic. We have asked in many times that people MacGyver their way through the pandemic, at least early on, as there was not enough materials uh, to deal with the growing demand. This legislation seeks to address that We have asked businesses to do extraordinary things. If we had not had businesses stay open, especially our essential businesses, individuals would not have had access to pharmaceuticals. They would not have access to gas in their cars or food at their table. So Senate Bill 72 creates a civil liability protection
0: for individuals, businesses, or other organizations against COVID-19 related claims. Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas has been pleading with lawmakers to protect business. He's a big supporter of the Brandis bill.
6: It's been a tough year. 2020 has been a gut punch. And I think what the the Senator is pushing forward uh, is is reasonable policy for the unprecedented times that we're in today. We ask businesses to reduce capacity. We ask them to make more investments, operating on smaller margins. Uh, And all we do that, sometimes dealing with conflicting guidance from whether it be the CDC, Department of Health, local governments, county governments the looming issue that's still there after they do all these hoops that we ask them to jump through is the unknown of liabilities that they may be faced because of what covid could do to their business people are already working on small enough margins as it is every single one of you have businesses in your district that you've heard from firsthand that uh, are not going to reopen and that's and that's unfortunate Um, but we ultimately have this opportunity to try to help our businesses be safe and bounce back
0: Democrats tried to amend the bill, claiming it would protect businesses that put their own employees and clients at risk during the pandemic. Senator Perry Thurston of Fort Lauderdale is also wondering why this bill is their priority while so
2: many people are suffering. We care about business, but blanket immunity that we have here is not what I think should be our first line of uh, attack on this uh, virus that has plagued our community. There's a lot of pain and suffering from this virus going across this community, across all of our communities. Lots of pain and suffering. In my community, there are employment issues that you would not believe. There's food insecurity. There's um, evictions and rent problems. I get calls every day about those issues. There's life and death issues. Well, there are a lot of issues that we have to address. And this is the first item of business for the Florida legislature. I think it's something that we should be addressing. But when I have to go back to my community and talk about people being evicted, people having food insecurity, life and death issues, I think it's a sad reflection on the state that this is what we choose to address first as it relates to this virus.
0: All of the amendments were rejected, and the bill passed the committee 7 to 4. All the Republicans voted yes, all the Democrats voted no. COVID has resulted in major changes in the legislature as lawmakers try to do their business in a socially distant manner. Most of the lobbyists who usually prowl the halls of the Capitol building are now forced to testify remotely from the Civic Center a few blocks away. And Senate President Wilton Simpson thinks the legislature will actually get more done without all those lobbyists looking over their shoulders.
4: Um, I think we're going to be a whole lot more productive. And... Um... And it's kind of nice, right? This is kind of like, hey, this is the way it should be. <laughs> Does anybody have a problem with 25 lobbyists not piled up in your office? OK, so I suspect it's, or we're on the Florida channel, aren't we? <laughs> OK, I was about to tell a joke, but now I'm not. Um, but anyways, no. <laughs> this is going to be a very productive session with all the leeches outside. I mean, not the leeches. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I OK leaves, leaves outside.
0: The Senate president made those comments during a meeting of his committee chairs who are adjusting to lawmaking during a pandemic. And Simpson says this hybrid system of having witnesses testify remotely may be here to stay even after the COVID danger has subsided.
4: I personally believe it will be after April before all of us, including staff, would be vaccinated. Um, and so I suspect this is the way it's going to be through th- this session. And then I also expect that by the summertime, we'll have all of them vaccinated, that wants to be vaccinated, and probably next year, it will go back to a more normal situation that we will then have to define what that actually means. Um, Because this is really, when you think about our security issues, when you think about um, other issues that we have to address in the the Senate building, this is certainly a um, good option um, using technology. And, a, and you've got more parking at the Civic Center. There's a lot more conveniences at the Civic Center than trying to come into this building. If this works really well, there may be a hybrid of this, you know, going forward. And um, we certainly want people to be able to come in the building. But again, we want people to be able to be, be secure. And, um, and you know, we don't know what the condition of COVID will be at the end of this year. We assume I am presuming that um, we will have all been vaccinated. We'll have herd immunity. And we can get back to semi-normal, but certainly this is a really good um, process to have where you have plenty of parking, plenty of room, plenty you know, of, of folks to take care of, people who want to speak to us. And with the electronics today, with the ability and 5G coming online, as it continues to come online, this is going to get better and better, I think.
0: And while the governor has refused to issue any sort of mask mandate, you will need one in the Florida Senate. Kathleen Pasadomo chairs the Rules Committee, and she told her colleagues, bring a mask
3: first and foremost, the mask. Um, everyone needs to wear a mask when you're not speaking. I know, I mean, I've had COVID and I'm saying, well, I don't need to wear one, but it's, it's only courtesy the public or those around us may not know that. Even those who've been vaccinated, please wear a mask. I know it's not you know ideal, but it, it is for our protection and the protection of people that we talk to.
0: Pasadova will become the Senate president after next year's election, so when she talks, lawmakers listen. Whether they'll all obey the mask mandate remains to be seen. The Senate Commerce Committee approves a bill to increase tax collections by more than $600 million per year. Just don't call it a tax increase. Senator Joe Gruters of Sarasota says the state's already taxing Internet sales. It just does a lousy job
5: collecting the money. It's not a new tax, I will tell you, as a practicing tax CPA and and. and, and, and as a conservative, I'm not in favor of any new or additional uh, taxes. All we're doing is changing the collection timing of this tax. Right now, it's very difficult for consumers. As a matter of fact, we, we charge it as a use tax, where consumers have to go in, download all these forms, uh, and I was talking to somebody today who said it took them almost four hours to get through the forms to figure out how much they owed uh to then remit it to the state to the department of revenue themselves and it is thought that only two percent of the collections are actually uh, uh uh made and as a result the state loses out on a lot of uh revenue that was there and again this is not a new tax we're just changing the timing of the collection of the tax and at the end of the day this is all about being fair right being fair to our communities being fail fair to our Remote, to our uh, uh, local uh, brick-and-mortar uh, retail stores. Uh, the problem is is the the, the the brick-and-mortar retailers who are employing people locally, who are paying either uh, property tax or doing the business rent tax, uh, who are contributing overall to the community in, in numerous ways are being shorted on behalf of uh, both out-of-state retailers and foreign retailers. And again all this does is changing changes the timing of the collection of this tax from consumer driven post-sale to make it that point of sale and this will bring clarity it will make it easier for the consumer it will make it easier for companies this is a long overdue our local retailers need it just go to main street go to the malls see the the the, the what's happened when in, in the the COVID pandemic, what we've seen over the last year is uh, online purchases have multiplied and, uh, and, and I don't think they're ever gonna go back. And it's time we, we, we create some fairness and, 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 and pass this so we can uh, level the playing field for our local retailers. The only opposition to
0: Gruder's bill came from groups that actually agree with the concept, but not the target. Ida Eskimani with Florida Rising says if lawmakers are going to take a tax loophole away from consumers, it's only fair to do the same thing to big business.
6: We certainly support efforts to level the playing field for small brick and mortar businesses. But we have two requests. Number one, if we are to effectively create what will be a new consumer tax with the passage of this legislation, then that revenue goes directly to those Floridians most in need and B, that this legislature not simply look to only consumers to fill a revenue deficit. If we are considering closing consumer tax loopholes, would you ask the consideration of closing corporate tax loopholes in this state.
0: Florida already has one of the most regressive taxation systems in the country, which basically means poor people pay a larger percentage of their income in taxes than rich people do. And Dr. Rich Templin with the Florida AFL-CIO says closing the internet sales tax loophole will only make that worse.
2: We just hope, that we can begin some dialogue about how to balance this, about how we don't continue to balance the budget of Florida on working people's backs. Remember, this is the second most regressive tax state in the nation, and that's not a that's not a political statement, that's an absolute economic reality. And anything we can do to move away from that regressivity is much better for the people of Florida and much better for our overall economy.
0: But when all was said and done, the bill won unanimous approval in the Commerce Committee. It has a long way to go in the process, but that's a great way to start. Welcome back to Sunrise and your calendar of events. At 830, Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas will address the Florida Sheriff's Association Winter Conference to outline his legislative priorities for the next session. At nine, a three-judge panel of the First District Court of Appeal will hear arguments in a challenge to the conviction of a former charter school management company CEO who was sentenced to 20 years in prison for racketeering and fraud. The Senate Children, Families, and Elder Affairs Committee meets at nine to hear from the Agency for Persons with Disabilities about their response to COVID-19. The Florida Cybersecurity Task Force meets at 9.30. The Citizens' Property Insurance Board of Governors holds an online meeting at 10 to talk about a rate increase. The Senate Education Committee meets at 12.30 to consider a controversial proposal requiring state colleges and universities to conduct annual assessments of intellectual freedom and viewpoint diversity on campus. At 3.30, the Senate Banking and Insurance Committee will take up a plan that would end Florida's no-fault auto insurance system. The Senate Community Affairs Committee meets at 3.30 to take up a bill to ban smoking at state parks. Also at 3.30, the Senate Transportation Committee receives presentations about issues like electric vehicles and the SunPass toll system. The House Judiciary Committee meets at 4 to discuss the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on the judicial system. Also at four, the House State Affairs Committee will discuss nonprofit organizations that receive state dollars. Now, this was a hot topic last year after it became public that Tiffany Carr, the former CEO of the Florida Coalition Against Domestic Violence, was paid seven and a half million dollars over just three years. Finally today, a Florida woman is accused of running a brothel inside a gated community in Jacksonville, complete with a pool nestled between multi-million dollar properties that back up to a golf course. 50-year-old Anna Domino is charged with maintaining a home for prostitution, soliciting for prostitution, and running an illegal adult business. A social media account lists her name as Madam D, and her $4,000 a month rental house is described as the Fungeon or Fun Dungeon.